Welcome to this brand new episode, I did it already, Record Roundtable, where we discuss an artist, a band, different forms of music, and this week we are discussing the band, Brand New. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with Jared. This is Tyler. And once again, this week we are discussing the band Brand, Brand New. New. And Jared, I think that you are the right person to start with oh, when it comes so. to uh, talking about Brand New. Well, you can get all your thoughts out of the way now that we don't have to listen to you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> just breathe silently. Yeah, breathe silently. Well, I don't know about silently, but go for it. Uh, I have liked Brand New for a long time. Um, I think the first thing I saw from them was maybe the music video for The Quiet Things That No One Ever Knows um, on Fuse back in the day, uh, which is a very good music video. And uh, then I kind of figured out who they were to a certain extent, their connection with another group that I like called Taking Back Sunday. Ooh. And uh, I downloaded uh, Definitely Legally. Legally. Legally purchased uh, and their then... albums, Deja Atindu and uh, The Devil and God Are uh, Raging Inside Me. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right on the money. Um, and I liked both of those albums. And then Daisy came out and I did not care. And then uh took a long time for them to make another album. And it was okay. But Are you saying you never liked Daisy or you just didn't care at the time? I liked uh, at the bottom from Daisy, mm-hmm. but as an album, I did not like it, it, it like as much as I liked the uh, like. I never got into it. Sure, it I, wasn't the same style. No, it's different. It's we'll get there, yes. but yeah, no, it's it's a little bit different for sure. I could see that. So. I don't go back to them as often as I think I would. Sure, like you know, growing up, I thought I would go back to them, and I always said I like brand new, but I don't know if I actually like brand new as much as I was. You know, like if I was actually a fan or if I just like five songs. Yeah. But there's a big difference. I, I could see that, yeah. And I so. think I just liked five songs. I I would definitely well, consider myself a fan of Brand New. I, I, I'm i surprised to say that I think I got more into them over time than you did. Yes, like, you I did. think that you started off with them quite a bit. But I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Devil and God. I like Daisy, actually. Yes, I think there's I some really good songs off of Daisy. For some reason, I got more into that album than I would have expected. And then Science Fiction, I think, is a good album that's obviously tainted, and we will get to that. Um, and I do like songs from Deja, but I don't like it quite as much as the uh, albums Daisy and Devil and God, but I do still enjoy quite a few songs off it. So I would I would argue that I am a fan uh, and still return to them. Like I've enjoyed that uh, returning to them and listening to a lot of the songs that I'm very familiar with. So, what about you, Tyler? Did you enjoy listening to them this week? How much were you familiar with them already? Proceed. All right, I enjoyed listening to Brand New pretty much. I mean, it's punk. It's what five hours worth of music. Yeah. You know how, how what's not to like listening to here? Sure. Um, honestly, the I like. Pretty much all of the albums. I don't have an issue with any of them. I don't think any of them are, are subpar. There's definitely changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the debut is basically the debut, and then even more so Deja Nintendo. Deja Nintendo is a t- is a Taking Back Sunday album. Certainly. Like let's be let's be real. It literally. I mean, I have had that album 
phys- uh, digitally for, I don't know, 10 years. I think I got it my freshman year in college. So what's weird is that, you know, this is the type of stuff that, this is the sect of punk, pop punk, you know, closer to punk, but still like emo-y that uh, my friends that were not just my friends that I, I listened to music with listen to, you know? So mm-hmm. this is like the, when I had to listen to music that my friends like to listen to, this is what I listened to. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, there's kind so, of like this odd kind of like, there's these different windows of emo music that I guess I kind of started thinking about yes. uh, during this period of time. I will even go ahead. I will jump uh, early into uh, a Patreon comment that we had oh. about the brand new addition. Uh, Cause I didn't know how much people were aware of them, but I kind of just said like, you know, if you are aware of them, you know, what is it that you kind of, what is your awareness of them basically? Um, so Jamie commented and said, they weren't the first emo band I got into, but they were one of the first and really led me to discover a lot of my favorite groups. So I asked them what were some of those favorite groups? So they said Dashboard Confessional, um, because the Swiss the Swiss Army Romance was really the first emo album that they came across, and it blew their mind. Um, and then they found Yellow Card, Taking Back Sunday, yep. and then yep. came across Brand New, and they started at Deja, which makes sense, because I'm sure most people did not start at Your Favorite Weapon. Um, they hit a lot of commercial success at Deja. Um, yep. And then on... At that point, from another friend who uh, mentioned, because they said that they liked Taking Back Sunday, they found Sum 41, uh, and then Brand New led them to find Hawthorne Heights, Silverstein, Say Anything, which then took the jump, which is more of like the kind of like bridging towards the end of the 2000s, but maybe even still the mid-2000s emo, which is like um, A Rocket to the Moon and Maine, which, Jared, you like the Maine quite a bit. I've seen the Maine a couple times, actually. Yeah. So there's like there's this kind of weird window of like like Dashboard Confessional is a pretty good uh, intro for somebody in terms of emo music to a brand new, um, but you could also get there from some of the um, more hardcore punk roots of yes, emo, I mean. which I know Tyler you're gonna probably want to talk. So like an AFI early AFI, um, yeah. Thrice Thursday, like those Thrice, groups who are Thursday, definitely still yeah. emo but a much harder version of emo. And I think yeah. that brand new is kind of like this weird, like melding point of the two. Like they have well, the, the, the harder punk edges of emo, but also the more kind of melodic, almost pop, but not quite pop elements of it. Right. So that's where, uh, well, for me, that's what was interesting is, uh, is cause the groups I Thursday thrice, um, those are the more punk oriented groups that I was like, yeah, this is stuff I can listen to that my friends listen to. But then, you know, taking back Sunday was really the big band that we all liked. Um, so what's really weird about that is that we all like taking back Sunday and we all listen to it quite a bit. And, uh, but brand new never came. Like we never got brand new. We oh, never really? got to it. I didn't listen to it until I was in college when someone gave it, gave me, Deja Intendu, none of my friends listen to it as far as I know. That's you know what I mean? Surprising. Honestly. I'm also really surprised by it. It's just really, really weird. Especially because of the link and especially just because fuck, yeah. just because like Deja Intendu is literally just like it, I mean, it's a taking back Sunday album. You know, it sure. just is. And I mean, I'll so, I'll ask you too, because this is a different I mean, this is a separate but still like related thread. Did you or your friends ever get in a stray light run? No. No. So uh, it's weird that I never got into it until later. But then once I did, I realized that it fit in really well. So, you know, those the first two albums sit there. And then they begin the shift because um, The Devil God of Raging Inside Me is a shift. So I loved that album. That's a great album. 
uh, I'm not afraid to say that's their best album. And it's it's Agreed. just really good. Yep. And when I think about, also. you know, then I like Daisy as well. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Science Fiction is also really good. Science mm-hmm. Fiction is a great album as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. It's totally, it, it's kind of like the furthest shift from where you might think that they would go in terms of it. But it really begins to incorporate it sounds that like embody the emo movement of punk while removing the really annoying pop everybody's doing it things that they did on Deja Intendu that make it really difficult to be um, continue being a band. So mm. all in all, I really enjoyed all of these things, uh, all the albums that we listened to. I like listening to brand new this week. And I'm not afraid to say that, like, you know, when I think about, I was just thinking, I think earlier today, when I think about like punk in the 2000s, especially early to mid 2000s, and I think about um, like, what are the, some of the best punk albums? I kind of like think about um, like when I, the, the albums that come to mind are Tell All Your Friends by Taking Back Sunday. That's a great, their, their debut, it's a great album. Deja and is kind of on there as like the best that punk had to offer in that period. And then I think Devil and God are like, it's just a phenomenal album that's really close to it. And fits in there as well. And then the last thing that I think of, like, what's the big pop or uh, big punk albums that I can think of that would define that era? And this is a little bit earlier, but certainly like shaped it and was still popular in the period. And that's uh, refused shape of punk to come. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, I think that I think they fit in and are like some of the cream of the crop of punk in the 2000s. And I also certainly think I, I don't think that I could dispute against this. I think they're probably the most critically successful emo groups. I, I can't think of someone else who'd be more critically well-received as a, as an emo group. Cause like you might look at like the success of like a mind chemical romance who obviously like were in the emo uh, sphere. Same with fallout boy who were kind of on like that back end, but like <clears throat> mainstream emo kind of yeah. scene that happened around like the 2005 period of time. Like they're probably the most like critically people really, really understand and think that their music was like, like really had meaning to it of all of the emo groups Um, where other ones like, like thrice and Thursday are good for sure, but maybe people don't Mm -hmm. pay a lot of attention to. And then of course, again, like the more popular mainstream ones, they're very popular, but many people will argue are not that good. I feel like thrice kind of fit the most with the brand new. Yeah. With uh, like with critical and also kind of the, way that their careers went of mm-hmm. thrice were kind of early on in a post hardcore kind of sound and then turned into more of an indie rock sound mm-hmm. with their later albums. And that's the same thing that brand new did. Yeah. Yep. Thrice they just definitely had, went more alternative rock. Yeah. Thrice just had kind of more, more albums and didn't take as long of breaks. Yeah. Um, yep. And they're just so good. Yeah. I don't know. If, have you, have you seen brand new live? No. no. I bought well, as as we listen, know, Thrice is phenomenal. Right? Listen, Thrice I, is phenomenal. I bought tickets to see Brand New, uh, and I thought I was buying tickets to see them in Tennessee, but when I yes. looked, uh, the tickets were for New York. Oh, no. and I was like, "This is not good." I must have clicked on the wrong. Thing. I was very sad. We we ordered the tickets at the time. I remember when yeah. that happened, and I was very excited. We were about to go see Brand New when yeah. they were going to tour because they don't they didn't tour super often. I think they were touring. Well, with must have been around science fiction then. 
Yes. Uh, they were touring with Thrice. They were they? touring with Thrice. They were. Oh, you're right. Phenomenal. Yeah, it was gonna be brand new in Thrice. You're absolutely yeah. oh, right. That's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, we bought. Actually, tickets they and... toured with Modest Mouse a couple years ago too. Uh, Did they? That was not the tour. Yes, that That'd be the tour. They opened for Modest Mouse. Oh, I do remember that. I wanted to go to that one too. I wanted to go as well. I was like, that would be really good. Yeah. But anyway, so I had to sell the tickets. I put them on. Uh, I don't. I think either StubHub or something like Probably that. Not. And somebody in New York bought them, and I made a little bit of profit because it had sold out at that time, but yeah, I would have preferred to go, but yeah, it was, uh, that was the only time I ever, I don't think that they ever, they were never playing any festival, like, cause for a, a good period of time, uh, in between their like, uh, hiatus, they were doing more festival things like riot fest and Bonnaroo and things like that. Sure. So the only time you could see them is if you paid $300 for a, you know, weekend pass to something, they weren't really doing big tours. And then they did do the tours, but they were in kind of smaller venues, and they sold out real quick. And uh, we never, they never really came close to us that much. Like, they never came to Indy or Cincy. We had to go further, either Tennessee or Detroit or um, things like that. It never, it just never happened. But yeah, I don't know. Well, at least you saw Thrice, and they were phenomenal. Yeah, ones. I've and, seen Thrice a couple times, actually. They're very good. Ooh, buddy. And worth mentioning, oh, yeah. Dustin Kinsrew had a cover album called Thoughts That Float on a Different Blood, uh-huh. and one of the songs he covered was Jesus Christ by Brand New. Well, I mean, it there makes sense because of their does. friendship. It does. One of their friendship. Um, I, I looked, and uh, I think, actually, that maybe the first song I heard from them was Sick Transit Gloria, Glory Fades, potentially. Depends mm-hmm. on when this, they came out as singles. Yeah, uh, I'd have to look and see which was the first single because I don't, sure. I didn't see anything from their first album, Your Favorite Weapon. But the one thing I do want to talk about for their first album, uh, Your Favorite Weapon, is the song Seventy uh-huh. Times Seven. Mm-hmm. Quiet Things was first. Go on. Um, okay, that makes it. Uh, that's the one with the car accident. That's, that's a correct. Good video. The other one is the one where he's like, like in a he's like, or something. And people are like mimicking his motions uh-huh. in Sick Transit Gloria. Mm. Um, anyway, so on seven times seven, which is a biblical uh, uh, reference, he is talking about his fallout from his relationship with the members of Taking Back Sunday. It's very, uh, it's very mean, really. It's a very mean song. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in their album, they have a rebuttal, a response, if you will to this song called There's No I in Team mm-hmm. on Tell All Your Friends, where they quote the mix or the seven times seven song uh in their uh diss track, if you will, uh, a punk fallout diss track. But I remember reading about that a long time ago and just being like, this is very interesting and very strange mm-hmm. that this is happening. Well but, the story, you gonna tell the story? You, if, if you want story. to tell the tale, I, I mean, I know some, but like, if you have it pulled up right in front of you, or, or you did more research than me, then I just he he was in Jesse Lacey was in Taking Back Sunday. Yeah, and yeah. They, so we should mention that, I suppose, first. Yes. Um, prior to the release of any albums. Here, can you can you say that again? Say again. I was he's, I was trying dumb. to find the. I thought there was a video for There's No I in Team. I was trying to. find They performed it, it together. Did they? At one point, they yeah. Well, let's yeah, let's tell it. Over, we'll talk over, about it in a second. We'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Say it again. Now. So but I apologize. Yeah, so, so Jesse Jesse Lacey was in Taking Back Sunday before anything was released, and then when he left, he formed brand new. So um, he's not on any recordings. He's an original, a founding member potentially. I guess I can't remember, uh, but not one that lasted through the. Course I think of the there's an, I think there's an EP he was on. I found it on YouTube. 
but he Isn't played. I, I read that he wasn't that it that he wasn't on any recording. He but played could bass, be but I don't know if he ever sang on anything. So I don't know. And that was even before Adam came in, I believe. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not seeing him on any. But anywho, um, supposedly the story goes is that uh, Jesse Lacey's girlfriend cheated on him with John Nolan from Taking Back Sunday. Oh my. And that John called Jesse to tell him. Uh, and that Jesse said to him, the quote that he said to him, is that what you call tact? You're as subtle as a brick in the small of my back. So let's end this call and end this conversation. So that line was taken from the phone call, oh put into the brand new song. And then that line also appears in Tell All Your Friends, along with like the phrases of best friends and, you know, the period of time and what that means, whatever. You know, I mean, they're, they're, th- they're thematically the same song addressing the same topics and then they have lines that are specifically the same particularly the line that jesse said to john in their phone call so the original 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 lineup meaning that the lineup from 1999 of taking back sunday was john nolan who is a current member left for a few years from 2003 to 2010 appears yes Uh, and then jesse lacy uh, Steven DeJoseph and Antonio Longo, as well as Eddie Reyes. Eddie Reyes, yes. So those were, and Eddie Reyes was with the group from 99 to 2018. So he yeah. was with the group for a long time. I believe he, he left uh, due to his uh, alcoholism, potentially. Gotcha. Um, so that was the initial lineup of the group prior to them releasing like um, uh, a, a solo album. So they were uh, on the... The Taking Back Sunday EP from 2000. Yeah, that's um, what I see. I, I'm not able to locate it anywhere, though. It's on YouTube. That's why I found it. It's, it's It just says Taking Back Sunday full demo album from 2001, and they have the track listing in the description. Uh, there's 11 tracks, and people in the comment section are talking about Jesse's vocals in it. So he is at least singing backup vocals on these songs from this demo that was never officially That's released right. but i didn't Discogs. Never... Discogs will tell me because mm. <clears throat> this comment said um uh, imagine hold on let me see where, where, where i was here where did this go oh this says could you imagine an album with antonio jesse and adam which were the three vocalists at the time you know like various vocalists and they looks sp- like he's so I don't I don't know. So Discogs has credited Jesse with vocals on one track. Okay, as as lead or just backup, or did not nothing at all backing. I see. Hmm. But anyway, backing yeah, I mean he does have he does have some release, unofficial or official or whatever, with Taking Back Sunday, and then he he, which is interesting. Like that's the kind of the thing that is interesting about Taking Back Sunday is like their influence in terms of like i like stray light run there that's mm-hmm. john nolan's band indeed uh and so, fred yeah yeah so like fred marciano or whatever his name is mm-hmm. um like lots of different things have off shot from taking back sunday yeah like you would never have brand new obviously and then you have these other so like that kind of shows the talent maybe of taking back sunday is mm-hmm. even the side projects of these people had how much? Maybe, I mean, whether they were good or not, like, or critically acclaimed, it doesn't really matter. Like, they they had the ability to be on airplay mm-hmm. on Fuse and such at that time um, was kind of cool. So it was funny. Um, Eddie Reyes, the guitarist for Taking Back Sunday, that left the group. He uh, f- 
formed his own group and actually played at a bar in Muncie when we were living there called Be Here Now. And the advertisement said, uh, Eddie Reyes, the guitarist for Taking Back Sunday. And I was like, why don't you just advertise like his band that he's, you know, like they're, yeah. they're selling the Taking Back when Sunday bit. When was that? It was a few years ago. We, I wanted to go, but I couldn't, uh, Man, I could never get anybody sure. to go do anything. Went. I, I would have went with you. I love Eddie Reyes. I think you. I love in the make them sure music video. Yeah, he's just so active. Yeah. Um, but he's uh, swinging that guitar. But yeah, uh, as we discussed, it. I their beef, Jesse uh, Lacey's beef with Taking Back Sunday, was uh, settled way earlier than what you know. Like I don't think it lasted very long. Um. And I think that they were able to, you know, be mutual with each other and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think people yeah, from just, what I saw, that was the case. But it does seem kind of odd, like if you're gonna put di like songs talking about something that people know about, like that, against a band you were in, the perspective is gonna be there because it obviously it was bad enough that you wrote an entire song and put it on your album, you mm -hmm. know, like. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I remember watching a live performance where they did the songs. I don't know if they did both at the same, like back and forth together, or, or they just. <coughs> oh God. <coughs> or if they just did a. <clears throat> Sorry. Or if they just did, um, one song together. But I remember seeing that performance and thinking it was pretty cool. I think it was the Taking Back Sunday song that Jesse played on. Hmm. Because uh, the 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 brand new one wasn't as popular, I don't think. But right, I remember liking both quite a bit um i also enjoy quite a bit from daisy my favorite song on daisy is uh not the sun ah that is a great song no 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 i was gonna, that's, wait, not no, that's daisy, from uh devil, that's and god. devil and god yeah it is but that is a good song yes i uh it's odd too so um one like one last little bit on the taking back sunday but it's more relevant to brandy than anything yes is that both of them had albums that were fairly popular in 2006 louder now came out in 2006 and devil and god mm -hmm. came out in 2006 and there's this like weird alternate reality universe that we could have lived in in which fallout boy and my chemical romance and panic the disco were not the popular emo groups and like oh, taking back only. sunday and afi and oh. um brand new who were like like had songs had like hits at the same time you know right. like like afi had miss murder around the exact same time as uh louder now's um make damn sure and brand new wasn't like as popular with hits but definitely still like they were on tv you know they were um they did late night performances all that kind of stuff so like you there could have been a world in which that was the the emo that continued on but that just there didn't happen there should have been you mean that should have been the world it was too i think the the thing was was that their version of it was not as mainstream like yeah. a no. miss murder is a little bit mainstream but if you've ever listened to other songs from december underground they still had a lot of their like um hardcore punk roots within that They're album a little bit more thematic too towards. yeah but, like uh, a kill caustic <clears throat> is like like a heavy song like uh, he screams on yeah. that album like he screams in miss murder so like um taking back sunday is a little bit more rooted in like you know that that kind of post hardcore emo. emo punk kind of yeah. world 
where the others are not. And so it's just odd to think about how they were all kind of in that same time period. And then, of course, another one that was in that period who, like, is somewhere weirdly in the middle but definitely not as relevant at all is 30 Seconds to Mars because this is when The Kill was But they were more. Well. They were just rock, really, than, yeah. than yeah. any kind of punk, Alt really. rock, kind of. I think they thing. almost, like, their, their, like, appearance made it seem as though they were a part of all of this crew, you yeah. know? Well, I think that the other thing, too, is, and we have to keep in mind the fact that like these are our formative years and this is like the music that's i mean this was this seemed big like this whole emo Certainly. i mean i can't remember how many times at that point in my life i called things emo in yeah. a bad way because i actually called emo music the music i didn't like because it, it made me mad but yeah which uh, of course a lot of know, people think was screamo was... music as well they're like oh that's oh, sure. screamo and they got all sad about that yeah but um you know, like it seemed big, like it seemed just like that is what what is rock, you know, each era yeah. and each decade or period or whatever has like, what is rock music? And it, at that point in time, it seemed like, well, rock of today is this, you know what I mean? I don't even know if I would argue is the phrase it seems. I think that really was rock music at the time. I think the most prominent rock music you saw on, like you heard on the radio, you saw on MTV, all that kind of stuff. The most prominent rock music was like a Fall Out Boy or a Pink of the Disco uh, or a My Chemical Romance. I think there were others as well, for sure. Nickelback like a, were bigger at that time. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I agree yeah. with like you. Like a Corn System of a Downer also. Like, yeah. a different end of the rock music that but was But it like, just seemed like... But it's the stuff that we gravitated towards sure. by watching... You know, like, I don't... Like, sure. we've talked about previously, Tyler didn't watch Fuse as often as we did. Right. Um, but, like... I didn't have it. Yeah. But like uh, you had to go to your neighbor's house and give you bowling. I had to go to my neighbor's house because he would satellite. He would have been a whole different person if he had more more exposure. It's possible. But like I mean, that's where I found friends. We think that um, these bands were like they were big to us because and and we thought they were bigger in society because we saw them on TV every day and they were to a certain extent. You know, like uh, Taking Back Sunday, um, the the song Make Damn Sure got to number 46 on the billboard chart mm-hmm. yeah, and but song. like brand new never had a hit song and afi had like a couple decent hits like sure but like they weren't mainstream in the same way that um these other rock groups were but they were mm-hmm. just better to us we gravitated towards them because they were a part of the music scene that we liked yeah um so like to i'll use fallout boy as an example of like because they i mean i think they're probably one of the ones who had the most prominent like seemingly prominent hits oh yeah they definitely are sugar we're going down peaked at number eight on uh the billboard hot 100 and then let's see of that dance dance looks like it got to number nine yeah and then i know a little less 16 candles probably wasn't as yeah it was less popular i got to number 65 so, but even the next album had uh, just as many hit like mm-hmm. them and my Kim and to us a little like a little bit lesser of extent, um, uh, Panic, mm-hmm. but Panic just kind of had really the one big song and then they did their Beatles right. album. Yeah, um, my Kim's uh, in terms of the U.S. actual like the Hot 100, they the the closest they got was Helena, which was a 33. Like oh, really? I, I yeah, I would have thought that was way higher. It was high, it was high on the U.S. Um, um alternative airplay modern rock hits like they were higher there but like those were not like actual hits you know like i would have thought that they were bigger hits i guess and i knew that brand new did not have like that level of hits of course but yeah the brand new have never had any song on the u.s billboard hot 100 the closest 
They had The Quiet Things got to number 37 on Alt-Rock, mm-hmm. and Jesus Christ got to number 30. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a few... Uh, Quiet Things got to number four in the UK rock, which is the highest song they ever have charted. But it's because of the critical acclaim that they have. And especially now, um, I feel like Daisy was their biggest critically hit album. And then um, once the... What's the one, the newest one called? Uh, Science Fiction. Science Fiction. That one was their... like That was the first... Uh, I believe their first album that ever went to number one. That's correct. Um, but you were correct I mean, about that. but it's not like you can't equate it in the same way because it only sold fifty eight thousand copies. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you go, if you're a, but they promoted it and they did these weird like uh, subliminal message things and such. Yeah. Um, but like you can't. What would you rather have? Uh, would you rather be number one? in 2021 with 58,000 copies or would you rather be number 100 with 500,000 copies sold in 2000 you know what sure, I mean? like sure like it yeah i get what you mean it being the best now mm. is like not even close to being in the top 50 in the 2000s because no. albums don't sell as well like like we talked about this quantification the many big, times. The too. band Lit have sold more albums, you know, than brand, yeah. you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like it, it just doesn't like work really. Sure. You know? So, but that's why like critical acclaim that we talk about, and not so much chart success, mm. is kind of like brand new. Are they have more critical acclaim than like Taking Back Sunday? Certainly. Well, that's the thing <clears throat> is that's why critical acclaim should always be the marker. It should not be you know how many albums did this group sell as much as you can when you're having these discussions. Somewhat, because, somewhat. But if you have because the thing is is that that number will fluctuate. But a critical eye on music really is relative, not like perfectly stagnant, but certainly more consistent. We have a good understanding of what makes music good. But we don't necessarily ever, and we never will, have a good idea of what makes music sell. Somewhat to a certain extent, but also like uh, when we talked about um, <clears throat> the guy that co-wrote the song with George Michael uh, uh, for in Wham, and how he's able to make like so much money mm-hmm. on that songwriting credit. Like, would you rather be somebody that wrote one big song? and has been able to retire on that one song, then continue to perform and never find success. You know what I mean? Like most people would want the success. They don't care about the, like some people don't care about the critical acclaim. Sure. That's why they just keep making music. Right. Now it, it just depends on what you want to do basically. You know what I mean? But I wouldn't say critical acclaim is like the be all end all. Um, with what you're talking about, you know what, what I, mean? I mean is it's a better, consistent measurement of the success of a group. As to sure. say that, like, science fiction is a good album because it received high critical ratings from, like, you know, again, critical sources. Yes, and y- you know, it, maybe it didn't sell super well, but that's because of a product of the time, and that doesn't mean the album wasn't good because it didn't sell well, as much as a lit album, yeah. you know. And it's also because it's a late, I mean, it's really a late career album. It is. It was yeah. what a seven. And so it's from a band that people aren't eight. paying attention to or focusing on anymore. Mm-hmm. So just that doesn't mean it's a, a bad album. It's not. It's a great album. In fact, Pitchfork yeah. gave that best new music. 85, yeah. And it, that was a, yeah. it was an eight year but, gap. Eight right. years. But the thing about it is, is that, you know, it, 
like, you know, people aren't paying attention to them. People aren't thinking about it anymore. So, yeah, you know, the critical success is a, is a better testament to long-term quality than sales or popularity. But the other thing that like plays into that discussion is the fact that like oftentimes the things that make a song or an album, mostly a song popular are the exact things that also make it not that great quality wise or critically wise, right? It's because it's simplicity, it's a certain type of chord structure, and it's a melody that is like simplistic enough to be repeated consecutive, like continuously. So yeah. there's you know, definitely the a negative correlation between those things for sure. Right. Like so, you know, something that is popular that sells well doesn't always, you know, that to being quality or good music. So, I mean, it, it depends on what your purpose of it is. If your purpose is to be an artist, a musician, and then be expressive, then, you know, the quality and critical acclaim is certainly a better measure for, you know, overall success than sales. And I think that, uh, I guess I would argue that that's probably what Brand New would have always been kind of looking for, because I think that one thing about their music that you can notice is different about their style of emo music is that it was always a bit more stylistic. Like, once you got, like, because like you said before earlier, um, Deja was a little bit more, um, it had more of the, I guess, standard kind of like um, emo sounds of that time, you know? Um, but like, The Devil and God Are Raging Inside Me are, is full of songs that don't really sound like traditional emo songs. Like, um, a good example that I would go to is the popular Jesus Christ, which like we should just play that song just because one, we haven't played a song in 35 minutes. We suck. Um, well, I mean, we really, I mean, we can have a good conversation. We don't have to play music. Um, but you know, like it, it's more of just like a, I don't, I don't even know how to conceptualize Jesus Christ. It's a very odd song because it's kind of like an alternative rock song, but also kind of like an emo song, but also is just kind of like, has like indie rock influence. I don't know. It's just kind of like, it's just doing what it wants to do kind of song without you having mm -hmm. to like tie it into a box where yeah, with a lot of the emo. Totally, hmm? That album is totally different than, you know, that's a dramatic shift to the devil and God raging inside me. Yeah. I mean, moving towards that. every, every song is like that. Like, I mean, yeah. the, the album starts off with sewing season. Yeah. And like that song starts out in such a weird kind of like subtle melodic realm and then just like goes hard out of nowhere. And like, again, they take, they do a lot of artistic decisions within the album that again, make me believe, which is why they have such good critical success that they were never really trying to be the more popular mainstream emo bands of that time. They wanted no. to be something a little bit more transcendental, which is why we're talking about them, you know? Um, I'm going to go ahead and play Jesus Christ, though, so we can uh, hear a little bit of that number. Jesus Christ, that's a pretty face. Kind you'd find on someone that could save if they don't put me away. Oh, it'll be a miracle. Do you believe you're missing out? Everything good is happening somewhere else, but with nobody in your bed, the night's hard to get I remember when I was a kid, I would make these mixtapes that we would listen to. Uh, I think about to, those all to, the time. To drive to church, mm -hmm. and I would put uh, what I would put, quote unquote, Christian songs 
in the mu- the mixtape mix CDs because then because then uh, our mommy and our daddy wouldn't ask questions. Yes, you would put what in there? Like religious, like Christian music. You would just intermingle Christian songs with punk songs. Well, I thought some of them were uh, in the realm of of religion. Basically, it's like, it's like putting an Under Oath song on that album. Yeah, we'll that's what I would do. Away. Oh, yeah. sure. Where you could like, put some Devil Wears Prada on. There, yes, they were yeah. on there too. Yep. Because they were all signed, some of them were signed to, to religious labels like Tooth and Nail and such, mm-hmm. and some of them were, I don't know, I don't want to say outspoken, but they they had some kind of uh, faith that they Reliant presented. K. So like I put Paramore on there Paramore. because she uh, Haley Williams was talking about growing up in church or something. Sure. But anyway, so I had put uh, I would put uh, Jesus Christ on one, and I also I believe put. Uh, what would you know? What the other one? It was. You're just one. building a picture of a of a mixed CD for for ride to church. Is what you're doing? Yes, that's what that's I did. Exactly what he did for church. Yes, that's so, funny. Yeah, I uh, when I was growing up, in I guess it would have been in '06. Yeah, it would have been. But in this time, I bought uh, louder now, and I just forced my mom to listen to the whole thing. Hmm. Time because I had to ride around with her in the car, and that and friends were the two CDs I had. Yes, we know. I've had conversations with my mom that always confuse me as to how much of the the ridiculous things that I was doing at that age that she had to be exposed to. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I don't think about the fact that like somebody had to drive me to the card shop to buy the Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Mm-hmm. So of course they were aware of those things because I had to make them go do it. You know, like like you don't think about how like um how much like if you were listening to music at that age. Like, wh- where else would you have been listening to music had you not been listening to it, like, in a car at that age? You know, like, now we've got headphones. We had headphones well, and had CD a, I players. Had but I had like, a CD player. Well, yeah, but, like, it's harder to have, like, the, the, um, the CD An player. skip like, Yeah, like, all that kind of stuff. Like, it's, it, you were bound, you were bound to listen to the radio with your parents. You, you were wanted bound to, to put You wanted to influence your, the people in the vehicles. I wow. mean, there's no doubt that, I mean, when, at 2000, in 2006, I was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. So dating yourself in the course of lear- what's that? Somebody said now you. you're dating yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the course of like, lear- I w- had to learn to drive with my mother and had to drive. I mean, the day I got my driver's permit, my mother made me drive her car. Hmm. She's like, guess what? You're driving me everywhere. Kind of, you know what I mean? So she made me drive all over from the time I got my permit on until i got my license and like drove on my own like that whole year plus i had to drive her places so of course i'm gonna be like if you want me to drive then you have to listen to what i want to listen to so i would make like i brought those two cds and they were just they lived in the car and i forced her to listen to it Hmm. we uh had a dvd player in our car and we watched shrek And Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, nonstop. Ooh, I was just telling somebody, because I just bought the Shrek uh, score. Yes. Not soundtrack, the Film score. score. I, lis- I listened score. to the first half. It's pretty It's pretty lit. Mm. Um, really? Oh, yeah, it's good. It's a good It's a good score. Uh, aren't you but I was you telling somebody now? about it. Hmm? So aren't you glad you got it then? Oh, yeah. That lime green score, got to get it. Um, but I was telling somebody about how we had the DVD player with, with that, where we could watch Shrek good time in our lives yeah we had a a vcr in our van when i was growing up see this is this is what emo music does it's what it was always built to do make you feel sad and nostalgic the whole it is very nostalgic music for me but i think it was even like it was even kind of like 
felt nostalgic at the time for people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, something it about it always kind of gave people that sensation of like, um, like a, a, a long past time. I think part of it comes from like the pop punk end of things where like, they were always singing songs about like your youth, you know? So like, even right. when you're in your youth, you're somehow looking back on other aspects of your youth. Like anytime that you're calling that into attention and that's something that emo music does a lot. I don't think brand new does that as much, but like you still kind of get that sensation just thinking about emo music. You're like, Oh yeah, this makes me think of, uh, you know, my best friends in my hometown. Oh yes. Yeah. Pop punk signature, baby. Woo. Pizza in the back. Yes. So I, I, uh, I know that I will feel bad that I'm, uh, I'm going to Iggy pop the episode, Oh man! but it has oh, to no. be done. What do you guys think about like, I guess kind of the the very unfortunate conclusion that came after science fiction because yeah. I will you know address it briefly so that we don't spend a deep amount of time. This is also um, different than that, obviously, but you know, get the point. So Lacey, um, Jesse Lacey, yes, was uh, accused of having um, not like he didn't have relations, but was flirting with. Is that right? Just like. Um, no, how would like how was it that like? Do you want to? What, what you what brought the, it up? You what don't were know the, what, you're talking what about? was like the legal end of the way that they described legal. it? Legal. I don't think there was anything that came legally from it. Was there never anything legal no. that came from it? No, it was accusations okay. from uh, two girls, as far as I can remember, mm -hmm. that uh, said at the time that they were underage when they um, were communicating with him. Mm -hmm. but I don't think anything physical. I don't know. I, I I don't. I'm not. You're looking at the Wikipedia page, not me. So I don't want. To. They did, they didn't show as many of the details. I remember they were more prominent and more well known at the time. This was like well, probably pretty early in like the Me Too movement period of time was when this happened. Brian Adams had this happen to him. Mm -hmm. A and, few other musical people. And so um, that was the point, really. And it was like so so close to the release of science fiction, where like I thought it had already come out. It, yeah, no, that's yes. what I mean. Like, yeah, they were, yeah, like yeah. the time point, it was like in the same period of they, time. Well, they were supposed to go happened. on tour and they just canceled the tour. But, and then, correct. Because science fiction, they came out and said, This is our last album. Mm -hmm. And then they were going to tour on the last album. Yeah. And then this occurred. Mm -hmm. these, uh, and so instead of touring, they just said, Well, now the band's done. And yep. that was it. Like, no, it was, yeah. no Lollapalooza, no Bonnaroo, no big festival. It, it was, was truly weird. a strange whimper where like they were gone for eight years they come back they really sound so it was in august of 2017 and it, the, the the wikipedia page i don't remember exactly the time point but uh it was late 2017 it was in the same year only a couple months like removed from when the album was released so you know they're building up to this kind of like big farewell but then this happens and you know that kind of just has to go away and now like you know, there's no world in which we will, because I mean, we probably wouldn't have even anyways, but there's probably no world in which we'll ever see anything new from brand new. Like this is, yeah. they came to a complete conclusion at that point where like they were already planning on being done. They were going to have this big kind of last hurrah and then it got snuffed out because of the accusations and, you know, nothing legal. So I will not make any legal terms. He put about a it, statement out on, I think Facebook or something like mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. that, Basically, just said early in my life because he's thirty eight now, something like that, and this all stems from accusations from when he was uh, in his mid twenties. So it was two thousand one to two thousand five was what they were talking about. So he, you know, like it's a decade removed from that time period. 
Um, and he basically said, like to sum it up quickly, I was addicted to having sex when I was younger. I'm a different person now kind of thing. Um, people never uh, like apologies that people come out. It does, it does not matter what you say. They will find a way. People will find a way to not, in, uh, uh, you know, like the apology will never be good enough. It doesn't matter what you say. So like that's what um, I'm trying to somebody. I can't remember. I was watching this documentary and uh, somebody was like, what do I, what would I, what do I do if I'm accused of something? He asked his, his lawyer uncle or something like that. And the guy said, do not say anything at all. Like literally just disappear so that you can just disappear. Like, cause it does not matter what you say. It will not be like good enough. So just say nothing, which right. is a good advice from a lawyer. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, but, but like, it is, it, I mean, the case of it, it's, uh, you know, not to, I guess I don't want to like um, make too many comparative statements so that you're putting people on similar lines, but like, it's similar to what happened with um, Kevin Spacey, where the accusations were from like a long time ago. The difference, of course, being that Kevin Spacey was not, I guess, as upfront about like oh he the never reality even, of it yeah no yeah. he never admitted to anything correct and so, so you like, can't really yeah yeah so Lacey is talking about something that happened 15 years prior and he even said that he sought out treatment um you know a decade before the allegations were were levied against him so you know we're talking probably like mid 20s maybe even close to 30s at this point in time yeah. well it means it wasn't reactionary it was proactive to an, to an extent he didn't you know, have to actions. seek yeah. out treatment because Correct. he was called out yeah right it was just yeah. because he realized it was a problem and at that time i mean but when he which is all you can ask of people that's for sure the, i mean when this happened when he did this uh or was accused of this or what have you um he was in his mid-20s and when it came out he was in his mid-30s with a wife and children and it's like i'm not you should be held accountable for the things you do when you're younger i'm not saying that's not the case but what I'm saying is, is like if you've lived basically a whole different life at that point, you're not even thinking about what I did when I was younger. You know what I mean? Like most people don't, especially like in a relatively popular rock band, like, you know, he's going to like hook up with girls in cities he goes in. Sure. Uh, but well, I don't know what, I don't know, I don't know if he did anything, um, with people physically or like i don't sure i don't sure. I, I don't there I, were no allegations of that anything so enough yeah there were no allegations of that at the at the time to my knowledge um but you know do your own research to look into that specific end of things but mm. um the problem so the problem with lacy is that he's not in the position of like like again not trying to quantify positions but like he's not in the position of like a lewis ck who was like a big right. star when this kind of thing happened and I think people were more receptive to him uh, coming back because they were thinking about him yeah. more. And so, like, people well, were already kind of, like, not thinking about Lacey as a quote-unquote celebrity at this point in time. And so I, I don't think people, I guess, like, at that point really even cared if he made a statement right. or came back. Like, yeah, probably. he probably hasn't really thing... tried at this point. I've, I've never no. heard of Lacey ever trying to make music again or brand new really trying to make – um a new statement musically or anything like that. No, because so. they already broke up. Right. I mean, if you look at his Wikipedia page, it says active from this date until 2018. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, he's not even like once brand new ended, 
I don't I don't think they had any intention necessarily like, like he had any intention mm. of doing anything like solo necessarily but like um when Thrice was on break um Dustin Kinsrew has released stuff and has toured solo and stuff like so he could have taken that path and he could he could have had this not happen potentially taken that path if he chose to but sure he's also known for um being very like quiet and they don't really do very many interviews and like he's not so that's another maybe part of the thing of when we we're talking about their critical or success and their commercial success is like it's very difficult to be a big rock band when you have no interest in selling your band right so like you know he, he makes like there's a few statements on his wikipedia page of like quotes and such but he doesn't like doing interviews he doesn't like doing press and they just like secretly release things like this album was secretly released right um with just like uh um eight years of silence and then randomly sending like um i think they sent like material to the people on their like newsletter yeah something like that so like yeah very silent types about the way they release things which like other groups do that too but they also try and sell their music and band yeah so um it's obviously not like the most relevant current examples like taylor swift releasing a album out of nowhere the night of and like whoa that's so crazy but then like heavily promoting it from then on where they were yeah. like all right here's the album all right bye here's your album we're done we're done goodbye but i mean it's like it's kind of a almost a fitting end potentially to their career as a band because it was already going to be in the end anyways but it was definitely like kind of a unfortunate that it wasn't really by the other members choice you know like i'm sure they the other people would have liked to have said goodbye but then it got taken you know away from them because they were associated with somebody that that has been accused of something like that you know nobody ever really thinks about like it's not as though brand new as a band did the thing and they might not even have been aware in any capacity of any of those details you know they probably would have been aware if a band member who was a so like i mean this is kind of like a business partner who's going to some kind of like therapy they'd probably be aware of maybe some aspects of it but might not know like the context you know like these wouldn't been doing it on the road though yeah yeah yeah. but that's what i mean is that like it's not as though he was like hey guys look at this 15 year old who i'm texting right now isn't this hot like it wasn't probably the way that that was handled is what i mean like that's so they probably might not have even been aware of any of the details of this happening at the time. So, so I, I get your point is that like the band unfortunately lost out on kind of um, Farewell. A, a conclusion a to a very long career as a group due to this. So the, I mean the listeners and fans are the, some of the real losers as well, you know? Yeah. Because of the, you know, they're kind of a cult band in a way. Yes. Sure. You know. American football style kind of band, yeah. Right. So, like, for people who have been waiting and uncertain for an album to come out that's really good, that is a continuation of, like, a transitional movement that has already been happening since 2006, you know what I mean? Yeah. This band's career, and to have it known that it's, like, potentially the last thing and be really good and, like, have it be potentially an opportunity to get out there and like do something touring on that material and other material, you know, it's just unfortunate for it. It's unfortunate for the band, no doubt, but it's just unfortunate for everyone. Sure. Sure. To miss out on the opportunity to like have something be closing. And honestly, it's just a misfortune because some of these songs would have been really interesting to hear live. Sure. You know, so. 
And of course, I mean, you know, it's really these situations it's misfortune all around because, of course, you also have to importantly say it's a misfortune for those who experienced that 15 years ago. You know, like like every every bit of it, it's kind of like, man, it, like these situations, these situations are never fun. You know, like there's not no. there's not a positive thing that comes out of it other than just like, I guess, the um the reality that there's more exposure and therefore hopefully less of these things happening. Um, but that's not the conversation for today. So, um, but it is, I think the big thing is, is that like the, the closeness of it is just this kind of like, um, like science fiction really could have been like one of the big cult albums of like the emo movement, especially as at like such a late stage in the emo movement. It really mm-hmm. could have been a very, very huge moment for rock music at that point in time, having such a critical success from a band who came up in that time and it, it, you know, again, it had to fizzle out. Like there's, there was really no other way around it. So like people don't really go back on science fiction and talk about it that much. And I think it is because that conversation is tainted. Yes. What's yeah. So the album came out in August yep. of 2017, okay. um, August 17th. And the accusations came September. in November. Yeah. Oh, November. So like three months. Like you had a very brief time to see them perform these songs live. Yeah, right. and he even was saying uh, at shows, he said we're only going to be another a band for another fourteen months, so enjoy it. Like, because they were very upfront and said that we're not going to keep doing like you know some bands will just go forever, like Green Day and stuff. But other groups, they're like, we don't really have the desire to do this forever. And right. At least they're upfront and saying, if you want to see us, now's the time. Yeah, and then like they had to cancel their tour and, and cancel all the promotional things and such. And so like you had a very brief uh, time to be able to, to see this end of a yep. group. Yeah. Bummer. So. It's a bummer. But I don't, I don't I mean, know. I don't think that I'm, I'm kind of more uh, questioning science fiction's ability to be a, a salvation type album for emo and like guitar rock music in the late teens. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't, you know, I think another reason that it's not revisited by a lot of people who are into that. I mean, I think my experience is a good example. Not every, mm-hmm. I mean, they're still kind of a cult band. They're still a band that like people know them or people don't know them, mm-hmm. you know, and even people who have heard of them haven't listened to them in that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or if you have listened to, you know, if you have listened to you are a band who has heard of them and listened to them because of emo mm-hmm. you probably have listened to deja and tendu so you don't really understand yeah. the progression or the later work there's so, a big drop you know, I'm just, off i'm just not sure that the that science fiction really had an opportunity to do a whole lot anyway outside sure. of for people who were focused on emo music at the time sure i don't know that it would have proven to be helpy a resurgence in any way i mean mm-hmm. the people who were in there still had are still in there looking for that stuff and yeah. what have you plus it it just fits in a different world you know, yeah. It, 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 science fiction is not the same as Deja and Tendu, and it's not the same as Devil and God are raging inside me either. Even or Daisy, it's, it's yeah, more, like any of it, right? Even though it's more closely related to those later ones, but mm-hmm. well, yeah, because the it's time point album. again, like, don't that, get me wrong, again, like, I mean, go, to go back for the original kind of early conversation, like, uh, you know, Devil and God was released at the time of like Fallout Boy, Panic at the Disco, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, My Kim, Taking Back Sunday all of these bands that had prominence at least to some degree in the commercial spectrum where none of those groups were really having the same success in 2017. Like 
that type of music, that style of music was in no way something that people were paying attention to at that point right. in time. And again, like you were saying, like the time points where it's like people would have been into that type of music at that time. So people would have gravitated to it. And then maybe those people who are cult fans might have started to drop off after eight years of waiting, you know? Mm -hmm. So like who was really waiting, who was really paying attention and who was brought in at such a late stage in their career, you know, almost 20 years since their inception. Right. It's yeah, that's exactly a great point. I mean, it's, it's certainly, I mean, I think it's their second best album. I really think it's a great album and it certainly is a way to go out and really a way to come back and say, you know, and focus and decide that after eight years, we should make something that's worth it. You know, there are bands mm -hmm. that decide after eight years, they want to put something out, whether it's because they feel like they weren't finished or if it's a money thing, mm -hmm. but they don't put the work into it, the detail into like making it valuable, but they really did here. So it's a shame that it couldn't be more regardless, sure. whether it be because of the uh the scandal situation or just because of the the delay sure or because of the status of of brand new as a as a kind of a cult situation anyway yeah it's a shame because it really fits so well into 2000 the late teens indie rock arena yeah but at the and same it's just a great album it is i think the only thing i will say is that there's almost this like like when it was released this is prior to any kind of speculation or you know scandal or whatever you might want to call it when it was released, there was a huge level of like mystique about the album because again, it had been like released to people like via um, you know the newsletter that they had, and so there was an awareness that maybe something was coming. And then when like you went to that album, it was way darker and denser and different than what you would have expected eight years removed. So it was almost like there was this like very odd magical moment for those who were interested in what was mm -hmm. coming obviously there was no way for that to continue on from there. But like, you know, when it did come out that eight years from my perspective might've even benefited it at the very moment in time in the way that like, had it been released like, you know, two years after Daisy, people wouldn't have been anticipating it in the same way. Right. It's the, just the another big brand fans. new album. Yeah, exactly. So like, maybe like, you know, not to gravitate towards this group, but like, pitchfork you know maybe they wouldn't have seen that as this like big triumphant return album and i'm like hey pretty pretty good follow-up to daisy right yeah there's, that's true i mean there's no doubt that the time the timeline is a value you know yeah. it's just a value anytime you come back that long where people don't know mm -hmm. and you just i mean make a great album i mean that's just the way it is mm-hmm you know, you just come back and make a great album and a lot of like, not everyone can do it, but it's also valuable being in the mindset of like, this is the last thing we're going to do. Yeah. So we might as well be worth it. It's, it's like every TV show that thinks that they're going to exist forever, uh, right. where it's, you know, they kind of Seinfeld themselves, mm -hmm. whether Larry King knows it or not. Yeah. Larry David. No, Larry King. You remember the se the segment uh, where Seinfeld's talking to Larry King yeah. and Larry King's talking about him getting canceled? He's like, I didn't get canceled. I was like the biggest thing in, the, in like TV. Yeah, exactly. I chose we to cancel. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, that's what I, I mean is that like he Seinfeld himself. Like he said, this is the end of this show. I don't want to do it anymore. Like that is a valuable thing because most TV shows, that's one of the things that will hurt a lot of TV shows where they've been on TV yeah. for 
10 seasons and there's not a natural conclusion because they thought they could make it to 11 and they didn't, you know, like you've had all this time to build and it just disappears. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and move into some, uh, I'd like to move into some, um, influences and influenced groups. That's where I want to go right now. If you're good with that. Sure. So it looks like some of their influences, which is really just, it's just like interesting to see the things that people like. Now, a lot of these, I think, are come from um, mentions from Jesse, but Mm -hmm. um, the Smiths is in there, which is interesting. They definitely plays a role later on. They mentioned the Smiths in their debut album at some point. I remember the exact song. Morrissey. Yeah. The mixtape song. Yeah. 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 He likes Morrissey. Um, and then you've got, uh, you know, some standard stuff like Beatles, but then they pull in Sonic Youth and My Bloody Valentine. And apparently a lot of the noisier elements that kind of, I'm assuming the ones that come from, um, not just the more, uh, emo punk, but more like the emo indie related stuff where it's more dynamic, Mm -hmm. uh, are really based off of some My Bloody Valentine type stuff, which is really cool. Yeah. Lacey also said that during the writing of Devil and God that he was influenced by, like, U2 and Radiohead. So, like, I'm sure he was looking for kind of that, like, radio, not radio, that, like, anthemic kind of stadium level of a alternative rock. You know, like, he was looking for something that was a little bigger and grander than, like, a traditional alternative rock sound. So, yeah, uh, during Daisy era, Lacey has been... Noted to say that influences include uh, Polvo, Archers of Loaf, which is really great. Archers of Loaf is a pretty cool band that, like, also people don't know outside of the era. Fugazi, oh boy, what's up? And uh, Modest Mouse. I, this is, I'm glad that I, I can see Modest Mouse because I meant to mention this the whole time. Basically, from 2006 on, there's so much like Modest Mousey type stuff going on in here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you all heard it in the guitar work. You know how. Um, those bends, those consistent bends that you get from Modest Mouse and the weird kind of tonality. There's a lot of that going on in like lead guitar backing up the melody of the vocals. I don't know how much of that you guys end up hearing. Well, you also get that uh, on the reverse end. One group who cited uh, brand new as an influence is Me Without You, who we've yes. talked about before. And they also have yeah. some of that same guitar style that kind of helps them fit in. Uh, I could even maybe say that a little bit of Manchester Orchestra has that too, who also have voiced that brand new They've is an named influence. As an influence yep. So they and they, you know, you can hear with like a Manchester Orchestra the influence of like a brand new or even like a thrice and like the kind of the yep. the heaviness. So yeah, but the Modest Mouse influence is like so it's just really heavy in a way that, mm-hmm. and they've they've done. They've done it. They've utilized that influence in a way that makes you recognize it but doesn't make you think it's a copy and it fits into their style and tonality. And it's just really, honestly, it's just a great way to go about bringing some type of like just weird, different, you know, pre two thousands sounds mm. into the, like that, that scene. It's just really good. I was just really, I heard it. And I was like, Oh man, this is really cool. So that was really neat. Also an interesting one is um, also during the Daisy era, the bass player mentioned that they were trying to emulate Husker Du and the Jesus Lizard. Look at that. I saw that, yeah. Isn't that wild? And that the Jesus Lizard's uh, album Goat was referenced uh, somehow on the artwork for the Jesus Christ single. Yeah, I, I saw that too. I thought that was kind of odd. I didn't. I couldn't find anything. But, That's pretty cool too. Yeah. So, 
Um, last little things I want for influences and musical stylings is um, that it's they've toured with a lot of their influences at this point, which is really cool mm-hmm. to be able to do that. So well, like we, I we even tour, I think we talked about the Modest Mouse tour. The Modest Mouse tour is cool as co-headliners, but a weird one for me is that in 2015 they toured with Built to Spill, and Built to Spill was the opener. Huh. Yeah, that is odd that Built to Spill would be the opener for them, obviously. Built to Spill being, like, you know, a decade older than them. Uh, I agree. They also had uh, Not a Surf open for them, I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was another influence that, like, they brought along and and had them tour with them. Mm -hmm. It'd just be wild. Built to Spill, seeing Built to Spill open for uh, Brand New would just be weird. I mean, it'd be good, but it'd be weird. It'd be so weird. Yeah. So, um, a last one that I want to mention is Sigur Rós. Yeah, last as week. an influence that isn't isn't totally in the uh, sonical qualities, but is an influence right. nonetheless. Do you think that that um, quantifies as one close enough leap to still say we mentioned Weird Al on this episode, so it can be three weeks in a row? No, dang. Yeah, Why probably not. Dang. Why would we mention Weird Al? We talked about that last week. We said we had two episodes in a row that brought up Weird Al. So I thought maybe since Sigaros was mentioned here, that makes no sense to me. It was just what it's a it's a three degrees of Kevin Bacon situation. Ooh. What are they going to do? Degrees of Kevin Spacey. Mm, I think we're going to skip that one. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to do anything. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to let's not let's not get too close to him on that one. I think we want to try and take steps away from Spacey. Um. I, I enjoy I enjoyed listening this week. This is one of the weeks where I think I actually like, I would say this is one of the weeks where I kept it a lot more fast and loose than I usually do. Where like I didn't feel like I had to kind of go in like the order of albums the same way because of how familiar I was with them. So I liked kind of like them being almost like a leisurely listen for me. Like I'm so familiar with this, it's nice to just be able to return to it and enjoy it because um, I don't always get to do that. Yeah, I had a great, I really enjoyed this week too. It's um, a group that I should have listened to when I was younger, but didn't really, what would be unfortunate is like, if I had found TV, uh, uh, Taking Back Sunday later, where their sound doesn't really change and it's still kind of like, you know, because that sound is kind of like young and adolescent almost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so to find brand new later and enjoy that in a reminiscent way, but then realize that they've, change and adapt to their sound in a way that's just like really um, more artist, artistic and expressive and mm-hmm. uh, much not not comparatively better, but uh, better suited for long-term listening and enjoying Certainly. is fortunate. So yeah. I think the devil and God are raging inside me is a, just an awesome album. And I know like it doesn't really matter. I can listen to that anytime and yep. be pleased with it no matter what. Have to agree. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of record Roundtable. We've been talking about Brand New, and next week we're going to talk about the band Unwound. You're going to have to check out that one. Check out all of our social media bits, and of course you can find them at our website, recordroundtable.com. If you enjoy us, feel free to look into our Patreon, patreon.com slash recordroundtable, where you can support us and uh, help us keep the lights on here at the podcast. Thanks for listening, and Goodbye. We saw the western coast. I saw the hospital. Past the shoreline like a